Hey, I started a, uh, I started a series last week on prayer. And I uh, told you for the next couple of weeks, we're just going to talk about prayer, what it looks like, what it means. And uh, I said this last week that probably um, most of us, if we're honest, would have to say that prayer is sometimes one of the hardest things that we do as a Christian. And it's, for me, it's one, of the, it's one of my struggles is to continue, is to have a strong prayer life, to get into that, you know, into that thing where I spend time with my Heavenly Father and I pray and God moves and this whole thing, how prayer works. And so we talked a little bit about that. Today we're going to talk about, um, what about unanswered prayer? You know, how does that work? And why does it sometimes seem like maybe God shows up for the person over here that prays and doesn't show up when I pray? And, and why does it sometimes feel like when I pray or even the harder I pray, God maybe um, um, does exactly the opposite that I want him to pray? And why does sometimes I pray God answers and the next time I pray God doesn't answer? And, and so here's what we need to understand before we even get into this is what I'm going to talk about today, and I'm going to go through this pretty fast, is it may raise questions. Um, I, don't think there's, I don't think there's an answer or that we can fully understand how prayer works and why, God, why sometimes God answers prayer and, some, and, and sometimes he doesn't answer prayer other than we understand this and we come to peace and we come to a place where we trust that he is just God. That he's just God. And because he's God, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and he will do what he does, although prayer is powerful. So I'm not sure there's an exact, an exact answer, but we're going to look at some things that affect, I think, according to the Bible, and what the Bible teaches, affects the power of our prayer, or the things that are important as we come to God in prayer. And you guys are like me. You probably have, uh, you know, times in your life when God just showed up and answered your prayer, and you're like, wow, this is incredible. I remember back when I was 17 or 18 years old, and we were traveling. I was driving, and I had about three or four other um, teenagers in the car. And we were coming back. I can't remember. We were coming back from camp, a church camp or something that we had been a part of. And it was getting really, really late. It was like midnight or after midnight. And I was running out of gas in my car. And you know how that is, and all of a sudden, every place that we came and every station we came to was closed. And pretty soon, my needle was all the way on empty, and we were like, what are we going to do? We were like 150 miles or 100 miles from, from home. We are like, what are we going to do if we run out of gas? It's the middle of the night. We don't know anybody. This was when no cell phones, you know, none of us had phones with us or anything like that. And so we just prayed a very simple prayer in the car and said, God, don't, you know, just help us not to run out of gas. And believe it or not, we drove, I think it was almost 50 or 60 miles with my needle entirely on empty, like pegged. And we made it to a little town, and there was a gas station that was open. And I remember that that was one of the first times that I felt like God just showed up and answered a prayer, and it was kind of a miracle. You know, it's just like, I don't know what he did. I don't know if he put gas in the tank. I don't know if it was just, if we were just lucky. But at that point, and even since then, God just answered our prayer. And he just showed up. And I remember how excited we were as a group of kids. It was like, God answered our prayer, and we, and we made it. We didn't run out of gas. And then there's other times in my life where I've run out of gas, right? And God didn't answer my prayer, you know? And so you look at that and you're like, how does that work? Why does one time God show up and answer a prayer 
And the next time, it seems like God just totally ignores you and, and, and things don't work out. And that's kind of a minor detail, right? Running out of gas is, not a, is really not a big deal. But for some of us and for some of you, there are prayers that are big prayers. And maybe you've prayed prayers for a loved one that, is, that is, uh, has major health issues. And instead of God healing and instead of God showing up, things get worse. And the person deteriorates and even dies or goes through this long process. Or maybe it's a relationship or it's a marriage and it seems like the harder you pray, the worse things get. And if we're all, listen, if we're all honest, we all deal with that at some level and it kind of shakes our faith, doesn't it? And it kind of makes us question, it's like, does prayer really work? Is it really worth praying about? I've tried. Seems like God isn't, isn't really there. And if I wouldn't have prayed, would have it happened anyway? And, you know, why does sometimes God show up and sometimes doesn't he show up? And I'm not necessarily going to answer that question exactly today. But what I do want us to talk about is I want us to talk about some things that matter when it comes to our prayer life. And I know I'm going to say this a little bit at the end, but I want to say this before we even get started. We always have to start with this premise, I believe, when it comes to prayer. Is that prayer is always more about changing my heart than it is about changing God's mind. Prayer is always more about aligning myself with my Heavenly Father in His will, in His purpose, in His plan, than it is about changing God or changing anything else. And if we can just get that one thing down, if we can every time we go into prayer, every time that we ask our Heavenly Father for anything, if we have the attitude and the motive behind it, God, this is more about me aligning myself with you than it is you aligning yourself with my wishes. It'll transform our prayer life. So we're going to build on that premise. But what are the things that matter to God when we pray? We're going to go through these fairly fast this morning. Here's what we need to understand that the Bible is very clear on. And again, I want to say this. My intention with some of these things is is for you not to leave guilty, but for you to leave encouraged. Or encouraged, but also challenged, okay? But the first thing that I have in your notes is this, is one of the things that matters the most to God is our relationships with each other. Our relationships matter to our Heavenly Father. And I know I said this last week when I was talking about life groups and signing up, that the Christian life is a private commitment, but it was never intended to be lived out privately. It was always intended to be lived out in the context of community. And guess what? You can't live in the context of community without rubbing shoulders with other people and living in relationship. And listen, your relationship with the people around you may be the biggest thing that affects your ability to pray effectively. Let's look at a couple verses here. Mark 11, verse 24. This is a powerful verse. It says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. It says, if you believe what you ask for, that's a powerful verse promise. But then it follows it up and it clarifies. It says, believe what you ask, believe that you have it, believe that you have received it, and it'll be yours. And then in verse 25 it says, and when you stand praying, but when you ask, but when you pray, if you hold anything against anyone, 
So if you're harboring bitterness or unforgiveness, or you're holding a grudge, or you're angry with someone, you haven't forgiven someone, you haven't let it go, that's what he's saying. If when you stand and you pray, when you ask him if you are holding anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may also forgive your sins. In other words, here's what he's saying. Your relationships with the people around you matter. They matter. And if you haven't forgiven people in your life that have hurt you, whether they know that they've hurt you or they don't even realize it, whether they've asked for forgiveness or they haven't asked for forgiveness, if you haven't released them, if you haven't forgiven them, if relationships are not in the best place possible as it, as it pertains to you, that there's a negative effect on the power of your prayer. That's exactly what it's saying. Your relationships with the people around you, they matter. They matter. You know what? It's not so much different than this. And this is maybe oversimplifying and, and things, but this helps me understand it so much. Is If you're a parent, is it easy for you, or how should I say it? For me as a parent, when my children are treating each other with respect, not perfect, Okay, not perfect. But when they're treating each other with respect and there's kindness and they're, they're, they're getting along and they're not fighting and they're not angry, it is way easier. Or, or I should say that greatly affects my ability or my wanting to give them privileges or to take privileges. Right? When my children are getting along and acting in a way, in a loving manner, and they're, and they're respectful to me and my wife, and they're respectful to each other, and there's harmony in things, I want to give them the world. But when they're not getting along, and there's unforgiveness, and there's anger in our home, and there's un, things that are not taken care of, guess what? The privileges just don't come as easy. And see, your heavenly Father, I don't think is any differently. I don't think he looks at it a, a whole lot differently. Your Heavenly Father looks at us sometimes as we pray and we ask for things, and he's saying, but you haven't forgiven. You're, you're angry with your brother or your mom or your dad, and you're harboring, and you're holding against them, and yet you want me to just magically give you what you want and to forgive you of your sins. And God is saying, listen, your relationships, they matter. And so we need to ask ourselves when we pray, according to Scripture, not according to me, are my relationships where they need to be? Am I harboring any bitterness? Bitterness Am I holding anything against anybody? Because God says my relationships matter. There's another verse in 1 Peter 3, 7, and he's directly addressing us as men and as husbands, and here's what he says. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the grace of of the gracious gift of life. And why do you do this? Why should we do that as men? Why should we do that as husbands? Why should we treat our wives the way God wants us to treat them? So that our prayers are not hindered. That's one of the reasons. And you know what? You can like argue with this. You can insert the women into this verse and it's probably appropriate, but he's talking to us as men. And so listen, if you're here as a man and you're being a jerk at home, and you're being critical, and you're being negative, and you're not meeting your wife's needs, and you're not loving her like Christ loved the church, 
according to this verse, your prayers are limited. And when you pray, your heavenly Father looks at you and says, you know what, you stop praying and you go serve your wife and you love your wife and you treat her with respect and you be the man that I want you to be. Then I'll listen to your prayers. It's exactly what he's saying. None of you men, none of you women should be saying amen or elbowing your husbands. And my wife's clapping, look at her. But you know what, it's what the verse says. It says, men, if you want your prayers to be heard, your relationship with other people matters, but, prim- but more importantly, your relationship with your wife, it matters. It matters. Our relationship with people around us, it matters. Here's the second thing that matters when it comes to prayers, our motives. Our motives matter. James 4, verse 3, it says, When you ask, you do not receive, but, but you ask, because you ask with the wrong motives. You're, you're praying selfishly. And you know what? One of the only times that you see Jesus ridiculing or criticizing prayer was in the, in, the, in the way that the Pharisees would pray. They would stand on the street corners and they would pray lofty prayers. And their two motives, or some of their motives was to be seen by people, and, to, and to, for people to be impressed by the length of their prayers and the complexity of their words. And Jesus says, no, I'm not impressed. Don't even pray if your motives are that way. And all of us are guilty of praying prayers that are self-motivated and are self-serving, aren't we? And this is a little bit extreme, but we pray prayers a little bit like this sometimes. God, would you please help me win the lottery? You know, we may not pray that exact prayer, but we pray prayers like that. God, would you please help me win the lottery? Because if I win the lottery and I have $4 million, I'll give you half of everything I have. And for some of us, God is looking on and he's hearing the prayer and he's saying, listen, you don't even give me a tenth of what you have now. Why would you ever give me a half if I bless you in that way? And God sees our motives. He knows why we pray those prayers. And so we should ask ourselves every time we pray, are my motives right? And listen, there's no way because we're fallen, because we're imperfect, to get our motives perfect. But let's be aware of it. Is it a selfish prayer? Is it a self-serving prayer? Proverbs 16, verse 2. It says, all of a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. He knows our motives. Have the right motives. Our relationships matter. Our motives matter. And number three, the way that we live matters. The way that we live matters. And again, I don't want this to be, I don't want this to be weighty. I don't want us to weigh us down. I don't want this to make us feel like we have to perform because that's not what it is about. But the Bible is clear on some of, those, uh, some of these things. The way that we live, it matters. James 5, 16. It says, the prayer of a righteous man. The prayer of a man that is in right standing with his heavenly Father is what it means. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It doesn't say the prayer of anyone. It doesn't say for sure the prayer of an unrighteous man. It says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. See, the way we live, the way we live matters. And, and again, this, you can't put God in a box. 
You just can't put God in a box. God works in his own ways because he is God, and yet there's some things that Scripture just tells us and teaches us. It's a little bit like this. Would you, there's two people, would you rather help a person financially that is out of a job um, and has turned down two jobs because they're beneath him, and you know that if you help him financially, you're not sure where the money is going to go if it's going to be put to good use. Or would you rather help a person that has lost his job and is now working two jobs and busting his tail to take care of his family, but has fallen behind because there's just not enough to reach around? And you know if you help him, it'll go to good use. Which person would you help the quickest and the most willing? We would help the second person, right? See, and, and, and our Heavenly Father is a lot the same. It matters. It matters how we're living. It matters how we go through life. It affects the way that God looks at our prayer. It says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It doesn't say the prayer of a casual Christian. It says the prayer of a righteous man, one that's living in the right way. Proverbs 15, verse 29, this is just what the Bible says. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. And it's not about performing. It's not about I've got to be better than the person next to me. I've got to be more righteous than this person. And I've got to try harder and I've got to be perfect. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's about a relationship. It's about a person. It's about me and you living in relationship with a heavenly Father who loves us. And living inside of His grace. And doing the best with everything that we have. And doing our part. And doing what God asks of us to do. And and what He requires of us to do. To honor Him and to bring Him glory. The prayer of a righteous man. It matters how we live. And then number four is our faith matters. Our faith matters. James chapter 1. It says, but when a person asks, when a person prays and asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. In other words, he's just saying this, have faith. When you pray it, claim it, and believe it. Don't pray weak prayers. And you guys have heard me say this before. So many times we pray prayers, and I know this is appropriate. I know this is appropriate, and the the intent of our heart sometimes is right, but maybe sometimes we ought to stop and think, but sometimes when we pray big, bold prayers, when it comes to healing somebody or wanting God to show up big, we pray a prayer, and then we give God an out. And we pray something like, God, please heal him. We believe you can pray, but God, if it's not your will. And I understand all that, but let's just pray it with faith and believe it and go in with faith expectation that God is going to show up and have that kind of faith. Your faith, it matters. And listen, I'm not preaching this gospel that says if God doesn't answer you, it's because you didn't have enough faith in a condemning way. That's not what I'm saying because God is still God, and we're going to look at the next one. God is still God. So that's, that's not what I'm saying, but your faith matters. There's a story of these two blind men, right, that ran up to Jesus and said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And they kind of hollered out for him. And Jesus asked them, well, do you believe that I can even do it? 
You know, they're asking him to do it. It's kind of a strange question. They're saying, Jesus, would you heal me? Would you restore my sight? And Jesus says, well, do you believe that I can do it? And, of course, the two men said, yeah, we believe you can do it. And then Jesus does this. Matthew 9, verse 29 and 30, he says, Then he touched their eyes and he said, According to your what? According to your faith. According to your faith, it will be done to you. And their sight was restored. So your faith matters. But it's not just about like a genie in a bottle. It's not just like, okay, if I have enough faith, God's going to answer any prayer that I pray. See, this whole prayer thing is, is so big. God is so big. And God is so powerful and works in so many different ways. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He knows more. So it's not like we can just put a recipe together, and that's why sometimes this is so frustrating for us because we want to figure it out. It's like if we can figure out the riddle, right? If we can just figure it out, what do I got to do to make God answer my prayer? And once we get it figured out, and, and people sell this, people spread this and preach this, and you do this, and then God will do this. And listen, there's principles, but there's never a guarantee because God is God. And you can have all of the faith in the world. And if it's not what God wants, and if it doesn't glorify Him, and it's not in your best interest, God may not do it. But your faith matters. And here's what's so important as we move into the last one. Here's what matters. God's will matters. God's will matters. It trumps everything. Because He's God. Because He's God. God's will matters. First John 14, 15 says this. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. See, that's where it comes back to this thing that I said way in the beginning. Prayer is much more about me lining myself up, aligning myself up with my Heavenly Father than it is about Him aligning Himself up with what I want. It's much more about me, about changing my heart and about changing my mind than it is about our Heavenly Father changing His heart and changing His mind because He's God. And His will matters. You guys know who Apostle Paul is in the New Testament. And if anyone did things the right way, right? and lived in relationship with his Heavenly Father, and had the right motive, and prayed the right prayers, and understood all this, surely it would have been Apostle Paul. And yet the Bible tells us that Apostle Paul had what he called a thorn in the flesh. And we don't know exactly what it is. We don't know if it was a, a struggle with something, or if it was physical. Um, different people say different things. But there was something that Paul was living with that was a thorn in his flesh, and was discouraging to him. And the Bible says that Paul went to God and pleaded with him more than once. And that word pleaded is, is the same word. Um, it, it, means, it means this deep desire, this pleading, this, this almost begging, like this heartfelt. It wasn't just a, it wasn't just a casual thing. Paul was, was, was really wanting God to show up. And you guys know the story. Is God didn't. And instead, God's answer was, Paul, I'm I'm not going to take your thorn away. I'm not going to take it away because I want to teach you that my grace 
is sufficient. I want to teach you in the middle of your weakness that my power is made great through your weakness. And I want to teach you and the people around you that I'm enough, that my grace is enough. And he allowed Paul to live with that as far as we know the rest of his life because God had a different perspective and had a different way of looking at things and had a different plan. That's why Jesus prayed the prayer that he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying, and he was beginning to feel this incredible weight of what he was about to do. And you guys know the story, right? He was beginning to feel the weight of our sin, and he was beginning to realize the agony that he was about to go, go through as he was going to be beaten and crucified and hung on a cross. And Jesus literally prayed a prayer and said, God, if there's any way, if there's any way we can do this, another way. It was like the, the physical side and the man's side of Jesus was praying to his heavenly Father and saying, God, isn't there another way that we can do this? And if there is another way, would we please do this? And would this cup of suffering, suffering pass from me? But then he followed up that prayer with this. And he said, but it's not about me. It's not about my will. It's about your will. And in other words, Jesus was saying, God, I'm going to ask you of this, but what's more important, and what I understand about prayer is it's more important that I align myself with what you want than you aligning yourself with what I want. And then the last thing that's on your outline in this is this is, this is the most important thing. And listen, we know this. We understand this. But the thing that matters the most is simply a relationship with your Heavenly Father. That's it. If you want your prayer life to be effective and you want God to hear you and you want God to answer you, you have to be in a relationship with him. And guess what? It is exactly that. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. His greatest desire, his greatest desire is to be in relationship with you. That's why he's done everything that he's done. That's why he sent his son to die on a cross. That's why everything that has ever happened is for you, is for to give you the ability to live in relationship with him. And when you live in relationship with him, real relationship, not just a prayer, not just I've been saved, not just I have eternal life, but you actually have a relationship. He hears you and he listens to you. It's not any different than a marriage. It's not any different in a, than in a marriage. When the relationship, you know what makes a great marriage? It's not the house you live in, right? It's not the state you live in. It's not whether you have 10 kids or zero kids. It's not the friends that you have. It's not the car that you drive. What makes, what makes a marriage great is the relationship. It's the most important thing, John 9, verse 31. It says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. And you could change that. You could just simply say, God doesn't listen to people that he's not in relationship with. Right? Who gets your attention in life? Who gets your attention the most? If I had no relationship with you, and I took you to lunch, and I said, you know what? There's some things in your life I've seen, and and here's some things that you need to do different. Would you pay attention to that? Or if a person that you are in, have been in relationship with a long time that you know loves you, 
that you know cares for you, that you know wants the best for your life, would take you to lunch and would in a very loving way point some things out. Would it get your attention greater? Yes. You would hear them and you would listen to them because you have a relationship with them. And it's exactly the same thing with your Heavenly Father. And listen, if you're here today and, and, and you're like, well, I've never had that relationship, then you can have that relationship by just asking him to be Lord of your life. But I don't want the rest of us that have been Christians for years to kind of pass over this and say, well, I have a relationship. Listen, I'm, not, I'm talking about a real relationship. You know one of the things that is, I think, the biggest struggle for our churches in America is born-again Christians that really don't have a relationship with their Heavenly Father. We've accepted Christ. We attend church. We look right on the outside. We say the right things. We wear the right things. We go to the right places. We don't go to the places that we shouldn't go. But some of us really don't have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. There's a knowledge and there's a head knowledge, but there's not this heart connection. And that's what I'm talking about here. You want your prayers to be effective? You want your prayers to be real? Get to know him. Get to know him. Have a relationship with him. And that means you've got to spend time with him. That means you have to talk to him. That means you do have to pray. That you do have to do exactly what we've been talking about the last couple of days. And God will speak to you. God will hear you. God will move into your life. And I think God will show up in your prayer life like you've never experienced ever before. It's all built on a relationship with your Heavenly Father. It's what it's all about. Would you guys pray with me?